From darkness to light, this is the story we all share as the people of God. He draws us out to draw us in. From the birth of Israel to the church today, God delivers and dwells with his people. He draws us out of our sin, our Egypt, and draws us into his presence, into relationship with him. chapter 5 this morning, Exodus chapter 5. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, let me encourage you to look on the screen at the verses as we look at them. But let me encourage you to get a copy of God's Word and bring it with you as we continue our study through the book of Exodus this summer. Because of our access to 24-7 news, each and every one of us in this room have either seen or we have heard about storms, disease, and, and disasters that have devastated communities, devastated cities, and devastated even countries. But the disaster that we're going to look at this morning would make any disaster that we have heard about in human history look like nothing. And that is the plagues that God brought down on Egypt. Now, if you haven't been with us for the last two weeks, we've been journeying through the book of Exodus. We started two weeks ago, and we discovered that God's people, the Hebrews, had gotten comfortable in Egypt, even though Egypt was not their home. And we, too, get comfortable in this world as followers of Jesus. The Bible makes it very clear that this world is not our home. And yet it's very easy, even though this is a sin-filled, fallen world, it's very easy for us to get comfortable in this world. But the problem is, Egypt will always turn on us. And that's what happened to the Hebrews. There came a day when, when the Egyptians turned on the Hebrews, they enslaved them, and they sought to destroy them. And we need to understand that one day, this world is going to turn against us. And as we watch the news and as we observe events in history today, we see these things already happening around us. But we know, according to God's Word, that there is coming a day when this entire world will turn against us. But the Hebrews cried out to God in their slavery. They asked God to deliver them, and God raised up a deliverer. His name was Moses. Now Moses was a Hebrew that was adopted into the family of Pharaoh, raised as Pharaoh's grandson. Many believe he was in line to become the next Pharaoh. But as Moses became an adult and saw the plight of his people, the Hebrews, he identified with them and he tried to deliver them on his own. But it didn't go the way he wanted. And he had to flee Egypt and had to live in, in exile for 40 years as a shepherd. And after 40 years, God called Moses. And God told Moses that he was going to use Moses to deliver his people out of slavery. But what we need to understand today is each of us who were followers of Jesus have been called into the redemptive plan, the redemptive purposes of God. 
God desires to use you to set captives free, whoever you are. But like Moses, most of us have a tendency to make excuses. Most of us have a tendency to feel unworthy to be used by God. And so we tell God to find someone else like Moses did. But eventually Moses answered the call of God. And he went back to Egypt to set God's people free. But when he got there, it wasn't as easy as he thought it was going to be. You see, most of us have this idea that if we're walking in the center of God's will, if we are following God's plan for our life, then everything is going to turn out okay. Everything is going to go great. But that is very seldom the case. Because we need to understand that when we answer God's call, and we begin to seek to live a life in the center of God's will, that's when our enemy is going to seek to attack us. And so that takes us to the place we're at today as we look at the plagues. Let me give you a little bit of synopsis if I can. So Moses and, and his brother Aaron appeared before Pharaoh. And they told Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no. I'm not going to do it. And so God said, I am going to with my mighty hand raise up judgment on Egypt so that my people will be set free. And we begin this contest that takes place between God, the one true God, and the gods of this world. First of all, Moses was told by God to throw a staff to the ground, and he did, and his staff turned into a snake, a large snake. Well, the Egyptian priests were able to duplicate that. They threw their staffs down to the ground, and they became snakes. But Moses' snake ate their snake. Well, they continued, and, and Moses was told by God to put his staff to the Nile River, and when he did, God turned the Nile River into blood. Well, the Egyptian priests were able to duplicate that miracle, and Pharaoh did not listen. They continued, and, and so Moses brought a plague of frogs on the land, and the Egyptian priests were able to duplicate this. Frogs everywhere. Now let me pause for just a minute. Don't you think it's strange? Don't you think it's odd that instead of turning the water into blood, the Egyptian priest didn't turn the blood into water. Uh, don't you think it's strange that when Moses brought the frogs on the land, instead of bringing more frogs on the land, they didn't send the frogs away from the land? I, I think it's humorous that they were able to duplicate these miracles, but at the same time as they duplicated these miracles, they were bringing more pain and more suffering on themselves. And so they were able to duplicate these miracles and Pharaoh still refused to believe. Then God told Moses to strike the ground and, and the dust turned into gnats that swarmed the land. At that point, Pharaoh's priests, the Egyptian priests, could not duplicate this miracle, this plague, and they said, this is the finger of God. We need to listen. But Pharaoh refused. Then there was a plague of flies. Then there was a 
plague that killed their livestock. Then there was a plague of boils that covered the people. Then there was a plague of hailstorm and locusts that decimated their crops. Then there was this plague of darkness. And through it all, Pharaoh refused to listen to God. Finally, God brought a plague upon all the Egyptians where the firstborn of every family was killed. From Pharaoh's house to the lowest of servants, every firstborn was killed. It was finally at that time that the Pharaoh called Moses and said, Get out of here and take your people with you. Now the truth is, many of us, even in the church, read about these plagues. And we read about this devastation that, that came upon the land economically and, and, and came upon the land physically and, and brought death and destruction to the land. And we think to ourselves, how could God ever do something so horrible? How could, how could God judge the people in this way? I mean, it's one thing to judge Pharaoh, who was the leader of the people. But God judged all the Egyptians in this way. How could God do that? But I want you to know this morning that that is the wrong question for us to ask. You see, the right question is this. If God is God, and these people, the Egyptians, had rejected Him, they refused to follow Him instead, following after demonic false gods, the question is, how could God have been so patient with them? Because we see God's patience over and over again as He called the people to repent and let His people go. Someone said it this way. Whenever people protest against God's judgment, it is a sign that they have either minimized sin or God's blazing holiness. Let me say that again. Whenever we protest the judgment of God, it is saying that we are minimizing our own sin and we are also minimizing God's blazing holiness. You see, these plagues may seem severe, but you need to understand that there's much more going on here than, than simply some cosmic bully picking on the kids at the playground. These people had committed treason against the Almighty God after countless warnings. They continued to refuse to obey Him even after He gave them chance after chance to repent. So why did God bring these plagues on Egypt? Plagues that, that ruined their economy. Plagues that destroyed their land. Plagues that, that crippled their, their military. Plagues that brought sorrow to their families. Well, I believe as we look through these chapters, chapters 5 through 11, we discover four reasons that God brought these plagues on Egypt. And these are things that, that each and every one of us need to understand today. When we look at horrific things that are happening in our world, and we think, why is God allowing this? Or why is God doing this? I think there are four things that we need to understand. Here's the first thing. God used the plagues to make himself known. 
You see, the truth of the matter is God wants everyone to know He is God. God wants everyone to know that there is no other. When God called Abraham, He called him not only to bless him, but He called Abraham so that through him all the nations of the world would be blessed. And that has always been God's desire. God's desire has always been that all people know Him as the one true God, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who deserves our obedience and our worship. But the truth of the matter is, many don't know Him and certainly don't want to obey Him. And because of that, God brings judgment at times. This is what happened to Pharaoh. I want you to listen to what it says in, in Exodus 5, verses 1 and 2. After this presentation to Israel's leaders, Moses said, uh, Moses and Aaron went and spoke to the Pharaoh. They told him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so they may hold a festival in my honor in the wilderness. Is that so? Retorted Pharaoh. And who is this Lord? Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Now notice there are two things that Pharaoh said here. First of all, he said, who is the Lord? And the second thing he said is, why should I listen to him? And then he basically said this, God can't tell me what to do. And then over and over again, throughout these chapters, we are told that Pharaoh refused to listen to God. We are told he would not listen to God. Now, Pharaoh had no problem with the Israelites having their own God. Pharaoh had no problem with the Israelites worshiping their own God. You see, Pharaoh had many gods. What Pharaoh had a problem with was God telling him what to do. Pharaoh had a problem with God telling him how to live his life. This God, thinking he has a right to command me to do anything, who does God think he is? And isn't that what we do today? What right is God to tell me what to do? What, what right is God to tell me how to live my life? You see, the overwhelming majority of people don't mind believing in God. It's when we tell them that our God is the God, the sovereign God, the one and only God, the maker of heaven and earth, and everyone must submit to Him. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that He is God, and we must obey Him. That's when people have a problem. God can't tell me not to sleep around. God can't tell me to stay with my wife. God can't tell me to honor the Sabbath. Hello? God can't tell me how to live my life. God can't tell me what to do. And so over and over again, God poured out these plagues and He did it not simply to punish the people, but he did it so that they would know that he was the one true, all-powerful God. We see this throughout these passages. Exodus 7, verse 5. 
when I raise my powerful hand and bring out the Israelites, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Verse 17. So this is what the Lord says. I will show you that I am the Lord. In chapter 8, verse 10. Then you will know that there is no one like the Lord our God. Chapter 9, verses 14 through 16. Then you will know that there is no one like me in all the earth. I spared you for a purpose. To show you my power and to spread my fame throughout the earth. Chapter 9, verse 29. You will know that the earth belongs to the Lord. Chapter 10, verse 2. You will know that I am the Lord. What is it going to take for you to know that God is God and He deserves your obedience? He deserves your worship. Listen, God's desire is not that the world know about Him. God's desire is that the world will know Him in such a way that the world, the people of the world, will surrender to His rule. That's why the very first commandment is, you must not have any other God but my, me. Not the God of family, not the God of sports, not the God of career, not the God of comfort. But you see, the truth is, it wasn't only the Egyptians who needed to know that God was the only God. God's own people, the Hebrews, needed to know this. In Joshua 24, verse 14, this is what Joshua tells the people when they were about to go into the promised land. He says, so fear the Lord and serve Him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols of your ancestors, the idols they worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. Ezekiel chapter 20 talks about this. How, how the people brought with them their pagan gods out of Egypt. You see, God's people were worshipping the gods of Egypt. And I'm here to tell you, look at me. I'm here to tell you, that's what many of us are doing today. And I'm not talking about the God of the Hindus. I'm not talking about the gods of the Muslims. I'm talking about the gods of the people who are our next door neighbors who do not know Him. I'm talking about the gods of this world. The gods of America. Uh, the God of pleasure first. The God of, I can have anything, it's all about me. Those gods. God says you shall have no other gods before me. God wants the world to know it. So he brought the plagues. Second, God used the plagues to set his people free. For the sake of time, we're not going to camp out here, but I, I want to go over this. In chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. This is what it says. Therefore say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you 
from your oppression in Egypt. I will bring you into the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. You see, God not only used these plagues to bring his people out of slavery in Egypt. God used these plagues to set his people free. You need to understand today that God doesn't simply want to save us. God wants to set us free. There are some of us that have this idea that, that God wants to save us, but then we can remain in bondage to sin for all the time that we live here on this earth. And then one day we'll get to heaven and God will set us free from the bondage of sin. The Bible nowhere teaches that. When Jesus Christ died on the earth, he died to set the captives free. He died to set us free from death. He died to set us free from sin. And it's a lie from the pit of hell to believe as God's children, we can continue to live in bondage, in slavery to sin. Jesus came to set us free. That doesn't mean that we won't have our struggles. That doesn't mean that we may not even have strongholds in our life. That, that the power of the Holy Spirit must break. But we must understand that Jesus came to set us free. Jesus didn't, or God didn't send Moses to, to free the Hebrews, so that they could stay in Egypt and continue to build the pyramids. He set them free so that they could leave Egypt and worship Him and live in obedience to Him. And that's the same thing He does for us. And sometimes God has to use pain, plagues, to accomplish that. Sometimes the pain occurs to other people as God is setting us free. But listen, sometimes the pain occurs for us as He is setting us free. The Bible says that God disciplines those He loves. We need to understand that God's desire is to free us, to set us free from the power of sin. And if we are living in the grip of sin as His children, then God will at times bring pain to our life to set us free. God brought the plagues to make himself known. God brought the plagues to set his people free. Third, God brought the plagues to execute judgment on Egypt and its gods. In chapter 12, verse 12, it says, I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. This is repeated in Numbers 33, verse 4, where it says, The Lord has defeated the gods of Egypt that night with great acts of judgment. Egypt had about 80 major gods. And the plagues were a direct assault on the stronghold of these gods. Everything God did was to show his power over the gods of Egypt. Now as you look at these plagues, you will see that the Egyptian priests, that's what they were, were able to duplicate some of the things that Moses did. And there are some that say, well, they did this through sleight of hand. They did it through illusion. But I don't believe so. 
They did it because they were in touch with the dark powers of the gods of Egypt. See, the Bible makes it clear that the God of this world has power. But his power is limited. And his power is never able to defeat God's power. And as we look through these plagues, we discover God bringing judgment. When, when God turned the Nile River into blood, it was judgment against happy. The God of the Nile, the source of life. God was saying, where is your God now? When God brought the plague of frogs on the land, it was against the, the goddess, Heg, the God of fertility. God was saying, what can your goddess do for you now? And over and over, as God brought the locust, as God killed the livestock, as God brought darkness on the land, as God touched the earth and brought the flies, the lice, the, the um, gnats up, God was bringing judgment on the gods of Egypt. You and I need to understand today that we are in a spiritual battle. And all too often when we see the bad things that are happening in our world, when we, when we read about pornography, when we read about abortion, when we read about mass murderers, when we read about genocide, when we read about these horrific things, we think to ourselves, man, this is terrible. People are awful. And, and yet what we fail to understand many times is it's the gods of this world behind the people that are orchestrating these things. The God of this world, Satan, wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And so when God brought the plagues, he was executing judgment on Egypt and Egypt's gods. But there's one final thing that God was doing here during the plagues, and this is going to surprise you. God was showing his grace. In the plagues, he was showing his grace. In chapter 9, verses 15 and 16, we read this. By now, I could have lifted my hand and struck you and your people with a plague to wipe you off the face of the earth. Just chew on that for just a moment. God said, by this time, I could have wiped you, every one of you, off the face of the earth. But I haven't. Shown you mercy. I've exercised grace. I've spared you for a purpose to show you my power and to spread my fame throughout the earth. God didn't have to turn the Nile River into blood. He could have destroyed them immediately. He didn't have to bring frogs. I mean, that was uncomfortable. It was unbearable. But, but He could have destroyed them. God didn't have to bring the gnats. God didn't have to, to, to bring the, um, the plague or the livestock or the locust or the hell or any of these other things. He could have destroyed them immediately at any time, but he didn't. Why didn't he? Because of his grace. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 38, this verse isn't on your note sheet. I want you to write it down. This is what it says in the New Living Translation. A rabble of non-Israelites went with them along with great flocks and herds of livestock. Now what that's saying is when, when the Hebrews left Egypt, it says a rabble of non-Israelites. The, the literal translation is a multitude of Egyptians 
left with them. Think about that for just a moment. God is bringing his judgment on Egypt and their gods. And as the Hebrews are leaving the land, who goes with them? A multitude of Egyptians who said, this is the one true God. We're going to follow him. Why did God bring these plagues? He brought these plagues because he was exercising his grace among the people of the world, giving them an opportunity to respond and receive his mercy and his love. And what you need to understand is everything God does, God does with grace as a filter. God's desire is to save all. But only those who receive him, only those who respond, will be saved. Now when the plagues came to an end, it was clear. It was clear. The Lord was God. Pharaoh knew that. The Lord is God. But Pharaoh's heart remained hard. Pharaoh had all the evidence in the world that God was God. And his heart remained hard. That phrase is found about 20 times in these chapters. About 10 times it says Pharaoh hardened his heart. About 10 other times it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Now what happened? Did Pharaoh harden his own heart or did God harden his heart? Well, both. Both happened. Pharaoh hardened his heart. And as Pharaoh hardened his heart, his heart became harder and harder. Someone said this, and this is something you need to write down. It's important. They said the same sun that melts the ice also hardens the clay. It all depends on the material. And when it comes to a response to God, the material is our heart. You see, the same judgment that melts the heart of some and causes them to leave with the Hebrews and go to the promised land causes others to harden their heart and refuse to respond. That's how it is. You see, God gives us what we want. If we want salvation, if we want to know Him, if we want to live in obedience to Him, He's going to reveal Himself to us. If we tell Him to get out of our life, we don't want Him, we don't need Him, we want to live our life independent of Him, if we do that long enough, our hearts will be hardened to the point that He'll give us what we want. Now these plagues were awful. Terrible. But I want you to know that there's coming a day when there will be some plagues like these that are much worse. The book of Revelation talks about the end times and the great tribulation. And it talks about these plagues that will come as God's judgment upon the earth. The water will turn to blood. Hail will rain down from heaven. Darkness will cover the earth. 
And you would think by this time the people would respond and cry out to God asking God for mercy, asking God to forgive them. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that in each of these instances the people looked up to heaven in the end times and they cursed God. The same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. You see, some of us will look at things that happen in our life, horrible things, terrible things, and it will cause us to cry out to God and ask Him for mercy and grace in our life. There are others of us that those things will call us to get angry and bitter and vindictive toward God and we'll turn our back on The same sun that melts the ice with hardened clay. So where's your heart? Where's your heart? You see, God's desire is that the whole world know Him. He wants you to know Him. And He will bring pain if that will help you come to know Him. He will do whatever to give you an opportunity to know Him and receive Him and respond to Him because He deserves your worship. He deserves your obedience. And that's what He calls you to. You see, you need to understand today that God doesn't call us to pray some cheap prayer where we say, God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Please save me. No, God calls us to humble ourselves, acknowledge our rebellion against Him, surrender our lives to His control, and trust Him to save us and lead us and guide us. And that's what salvation is. Salvation isn't praying some cheap prayer. Salvation is responding to the God of creation. Trusting Him to save us. Giving our lives to Him. And that's what He wants you to do. That's what He wants the world to do. So have you?